Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Latham Woodward. He's the CEO at Sense Distribution, Inc. Latham, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kevin. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I think what we're going to talk about today is very much on, on kind of the cutting edge of, of what's happening in today's society. But maybe before we get into that, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Sure, sounds good. I'm... Um... A native Californian. Oh, rare um, breed. <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm a rarer breed because I'm a fifth generation native Californian. Wow, very cool. Which makes us a true rarity. Yeah. Um, I grew up grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, primarily in San Francisco and Marin County, right across the Golden Gate Bridge. Nice. Um, been here most of my life. I have moved away to Southern California to um, Oregon. Um, and I've lived, uh, you know, in Wyoming a bit, in France a bit, and just, and always came home to Northern California, which I, I truly love. Very cool. So you went to university. What did you take and why? Uh, I'm an old school person. I was an English major at University of Oregon. Okay. Um, my parents, my parents were in firm belief of getting a good liberal arts, uh, educational background to create that launch pad that takes you to the next level in life. Okay, very cool. And then you went to Santa Barbara College too, right? I did. I went to Santa Barbara City College for a year due to some financial issues. Okay. Uh, you know, d divorced parents, that kind of thing. Gotcha. You, know, you got to move on. Well, fair enough. Okay, so walk me through your career, maybe just some career highlights along the way, because you've done a ton of stuff up until what you're doing today. Yeah, I mean, I have been in primarily for the last 30 plus years prior to two years ago in the construction and manufacturing business. I okay. um, got out of college and I got myself a, a job and moved myself up in that company to a vice president position in about five years. Um, moved on to another company, uh, got hired on and then bought them out in a year and then created a kind of a interesting business model where we are doing residential and commercial client uh, manufacturing and uh, construction and um, are really specialized in the manufacturing side and commercial aspects. So I have client, I had clients all over the United States, uh, big ones were Pete's Coffee, Restoration okay. Hardware, CBTL in LA. Well, and, and that was kind of my niche, but OEM manufacturing for these companies really kind of got me spurred in this interesting direction in manufacturing. And I took that knowledge base. And when we founded Sense Distribution, I took all of that knowledge and aimed it at producing products for the public, but yet we do have a, a commercial wing too that we're trying to service the commercial edible market as well. Okay, very cool. So walk me through what you guys are doing now and and let's get into some of the products you're creating sure 
Sense Distribution is a company that's you know based on making uh, products for adult consumption. Um, our target audiences are ad ad adults from 25 to 85. Okay. The most cool. interesting, yeah, the most interesting demographic in our group is my my mother's bridge group age from 75 to 85, who continuously ask me for our products and ask what I'm doing because they are all, as you can imagine, now I'm sure they are in Canada as well, all on some sort of drugs to deal with aging ailments and sure. none of the none of these people like them i mean frankly they're um i know in canada you have a little better drug situation in terms of cost than we do down here but still it, it can be onerous cost wise and uh people are not satisfied with the results they're getting and especially with uh having to take one drug and then another drug to counteract the side effects of the first drug so interesting experimenters and late adopters as we call them are our kind of primary demo. Okay. They want to try something to aid their life. I don't make health claims for our products. But what I do say is at least this, our products can help you get your mind off of what ails you. And that's 80% of the issue I think usually is, at least it is for me. Sure. Okay, so, so since, keep going. Sorry. Well, and, 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 I'm sorry to continue. Then, um, since we make products like uh, Shuggies, which is our agave syrup, and our sugar, uh, which is infused with THC, where our CBD product is about to launch soon as well, um, we have another product uh, product coming out called Mocktails, which is a cocktail drink, um, single service, where you can add it to water. And it gives you some THC and a nice uh, cocktail type drink that you can drink with your friends if you're a non-drinker like myself. Even if you're not a non-drinker and you just want something refreshing and delicious to carry on your day. Uh, we are working on another product called Happy and Happy, which is a small pastille candy. Also very low dosage, um, aimed at the exact same demographic. Very cool. So I want to dive a little bit deeper into Shuggies and, and kind of how did you come up with the idea and, and what exactly do people use it for? Well, I came up with the idea because I was importing tequila from Mexico for another venture that I was working on as a consultant. Okay. And um, I was bringing in uh, tank loads of tequila to the United States in a bond to bond transfer uh, from Guadalajara. And okay. when I was down there during one business trip, I went to an agave plant, a very, very high tech and um, innovative plant that makes beautiful agave syrup products. Um, and I looked at it and I just said, wow, this is interesting. And so about a year later, I said, how about if we package this with a little THC and we give it in a single serving rather than the bottles you see in the market. And uh, from there, it just kind of started to expand in terms of how we were going to package. And I ended up going to Turkey, Istanbul, Turkey, to get my machines. Oh, uh, and now we package them. Yeah, and we package these uh, in individual stick packs, um, much like Nest Cafe you see in a hotel room. Right. Okay. So I I'm curious to dive a little bit deeper into actually, because obviously you, you probably had to try a bunch of recipes to get it right walk us through that process and how come you had to go to turkey to get a machine to to do some of the packaging well my uh, i'll do address the um 
packaging issue first. Okay. I, in my former career in manufacturing, I learned a couple of things. Number one was a lot of people around the world make things in sure. terms of machinery. Smart. The U.S. or the or Canada, that's not the only place. And it's uh, you know our kind of narrow focus on being northern uh, northern Americans is you just kind of focus on here in your backyard. Well, fortunately, the United States has uh, trade agreements with a number of countries around the world. Argentina. I used to buy equipment from Argentina no, because there's no trade, no tariff and no tax. Um, Turkey, we have a favored nation status with as well. So I can buy machines there with very low tax and tariff, um, pro, you know, providing that that machine does not directly compete with uh, machines made in North America. Okay. Um, and that has worked incredibly well. So machines that I would typically find here in the U.S. for $150,000 to $200,000, I can get for a fraction of the cost overseas in a number of locations. That's smart. So having done that purchase process before, I just expanded on that. And we, you know, it was great for our bottom line. And what was the second part of the question? I forgot. Uh, no, 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 no problem. Um, how did you uh, figure out like obviously you probably had to try a few recipes to to figure it out walk us through the trial and error process of actually creating something people can uh, actually consume well you know it is proprietary our recipe but okay. i can tell you this much it our recipe is very simple and there are some tricks to it on both fronts in the sugar and agave and we're working on maple syrup as well okay but probably did you a... but did you have to, like obviously Probably the first time you tried to create it, it it probably didn't work out, and you you had to tweak the recipe. Like, did you did you have to go through you know fifty versions of a recipe? Or I don't necessarily care what's in it. I'm just curious to probably, walk us through the, probably, the struggle of figuring it out. Probably ten to fifteen okay, times not on that each bad then. on each product. No, but it's it's time consuming, and the biggest issue is for um on a low dosage product is the testing limits and that's a problem uh, in california because we have very stringent testing here okay and you have to get it within a very tight margin and it's kind of counterintuitive but to make something low dosage is harder than making something high dosage yeah, you can imagine because in a yeah in a hundred milligram packet your tolerance if it's 10 percent, well you've got a 10 milligram swing there right, right. but in a five five milligram packet you're very tight i mean you've got to be within you know 10 percent. that keeps you between 4.5 and 5.5 and in california if you test over you fail so that's okay. been our biggest issue it's just getting homogen um homogeneity i can't even say the word um <laughs> uh, homogeneous results right? right in terms of um, how we do it consistently so that's been our biggest issue no, interesting. So, so I'm curious. Do you to get it approved to actually sell? Do you have to go kind of state by state to get it tested and and then approved, or or how does that work? Well, the answer to that is yes. I mean, right now we're only in California, um, right. and the testing parameters here in California are known to us, and the, we're following those strictly. Um, as far as um, other states, they, they get addressed individually. But as California is one of the largest markets in the world, we got our hands full here right now. Got you. And 
Is it 21 um, in, in basically every state that it's legal in at this point? Uh, that's my belief. I don't think any state has ratified 18 and over yet. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Because I guess in Canada, there's a couple provinces that are 18 where you can uh, like legally buy like cigarettes, alcohol, um, and, and cannabis. Um, and then there's a couple provinces where they're 19. Well, most provinces are 19. So... And then obviously you guys, as far as I know, is like 21, right? So it's, it's just interesting between the two countries how similar and different we are in a number of issues, right? Yeah, I mean, for all good reasons, too. I mean, we're, we're different countries and um, we're not the same. Canada's not the little brother U.S. and we're not the, you know, the big brother of Canada. We are different individual countries and with different rules. And I, I love that. I mean, it makes us stand out from one another. No, fair enough. So... How do, because you have a couple different versions of Shuggies, how do people actually use them? Do they put them in their coffee? Do they put them, do they bake with it? Do they do all the above? Walk us through what people can actually use Shuggies for. Well, all of the above. I mean, just hit right on the sweet spot of it, so to speak. Um, it's, a, it's a take anywhere, go anywhere, use anywhere product. Okay. The intent, the t intent is, for you to be able to go on with your life on a daily basis and incorporate things you already do and just not have to modify your life at all. It's like if you add sugar to your coffee in the morning or the afternoon, they'll do it with sugar sugar. If you take agave syrup and you add it to a margarita or you add it to a cocktail or you add it to a fruit juice, um, do that with our agave syrup. If you put agave syrup on a, uh, on a, um, a cantaloupe or some fruit in the morning, cause that's what you like. And you want to have a little relaxing day, put our stuff on it. It's, it's not a, a hard lift. And the reason we did this is we are not in the business of selling an apparatus or a, a, a type of, or a lifestyle that is different from what you do. So many people, don't smoke weed or marijuana they they don't use a bong they don't use these things dabs and that kind of thing they they don't know about that and they don't really want to learn about it right sure. it's not their thing but they do use sugar and they do use agave syrup and they do use other sweeteners so our product is meant to incorporate that into your life and and, and so there is no heavy lifting there is no heavy thinking if you like our product when you try it you will continue to use it. I'm, it's my belief because I like it a lot and it, it's really quite a mellow experience. No, that's, that's very interesting. So uh, you guys just got in hundreds of stores across California. Do you want to talk about how you guys actually did that and, and elaborate on the types of stores people can actually get the product at? Yeah, we're licensed under um, a company called Apex. Uh, we're a, a, a partial owner of that company. Okay. And they have a huge distribution network. And they are a dynamic sales machine with outlets in Northern and Southern California. And they've proven to be a great partner. And they uh, really, really push um, the the benefits of Shuggies and the and they really like the message we're, we're providing because they do have the other products. They do have the vape pens. They do have the flower sales. They do have 
the dabs and shatter and things like this. But that's for a different demographic. I mean, it's usually not the um, older adults who are using that thing. As I like to say in the dab market, they're, it's great for the 21-year-olds to 26-year-olds. But for me, a guy over 50, I don't have eight hours in my day anymore to dedicate to getting high. It just doesn't work. I can't, I can't do that kind of time frame anymore. Sure. Well, and the thing that I found interesting just for, for the U.S. listeners that don't know, Canada legalized cannabis usage across Canada last year, and they're about to legalize edible edibles across the country um, in the next month or so. And the thing that I found the absolute most fascinating about um, it getting legalized, well, actually two things. One, how many people that had, had been in there, I'm 36, just so you have some context. Um, Mm-hmm. How many people that I knew into their 30s that now that it was legal, they were going to try it? And I think, like, let's be honest here. I think throughout most people's teen 20s and and, may, and probably into their 30s and beyond that, it's kind of everywhere, right? Like, you go to a concert, you, you probably have friends that do it. Um, it's kind of everywhere, right? Compared to some of the more harder drugs where... You have to make more of an effort to get them. But so the people that wanted to try it now that it's legal, I found that really quite fascinating. The other thing that I found equally fascinating and maybe more fascinating is how many people that I knew that were maybe over 40, maybe even over 50, that are willing to talk about how they've been using cannabis for a number of things for for decades now, and you would never know because now that it's legal, it's fine to talk about. Those two things were really quite fascinating to me. And I know you can use cannabis and and a bunch of things for a million other things outside of actually even eating them or, or smoking them. Like you can use it for clothing, you can use them for manufacturing. There's so many different things that are outside of getting high as well that I think a lot of people don't realize. So do you maybe want to give us a, your opinion and thoughts around how you've seen society actually accept it? Are they still not accepting it? It, it really depends who you talk to. Or, or where are we kind of at around the whole cannabis space being accepted um, kind of maybe in, in North America? Yeah, big question. Uh, but I... I, I definitely know where you're coming from. Um, this thing, at least in the United States, right? It's sure. like with um, legality comes acceptance, like immediate acceptance. I mean, it's, I, you know, in my own life, talking to my wife about me getting into the cannabis business, she's like, well, you know, I don't, you know, is this right? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, look, it's legal now. These conversations that, you know, we don't have to hide this anymore. This it's a legal business, one that um, we can all participate in now. And it shouldn't be in the shadows anymore. I mean, the very fact that that marijuana is in cannabis is in the shadows in the first place was a misplaced attempt by the government 
and big industry in certain industries, the, the nefarious industries that we all know and love to hate, but we use every day. And that's like the oil business. Yeah. You know, they killed the, the hemp oil business. All right. Hemp oil is a very versatile product that's been used for thousands and thousands of years. It's not something new. It's not something illicit. It was used everywhere. It, um, when it became illegal, well, guess what stepped in? Um, oil derived products from the ground. Right. Um, Interesting. Hemp as a, as a twine, as a fiber has been used for millennia. But yet what happened? Well, the cotton industry came in, the wool industry came in and they said, well, you know, let's push this. So you had industrial groups coming to the government saying, hey, we don't like this cheap, easy to grow, readily available, fantastic, versatile plant. Get rid of this. Um, and then, you know, there's a whole horrible racial aspect of it that, you know, that they proposed to in, in the 20s and 30s, you know, with against African-Americans, you know, and it's it just it goes deep. It's such a deep story. Um, but the point is now it's legal and people are coming out of the shadows. They're talking about it. They're talking about their experiences with it. They're talking about how it's uh, many people say it saves um, their relationships. It saves um, the way they conduct themselves. It gets them off of alcohol. They're finding studies now that it helps people get off of heroin and opiates. Yeah, They're also, I mean, uh, talk personally, it's made, made a tremendous impact on me in terms of me being introspective, thoughtful, considerate, and a kinder person. It has also helped my marriage, my 30 plus year marriage survive. At times, you know, when things get tough, you need to be introspective. You need to go into your head and you need to think about where you're going. And so I think all of these things combined create this positive atmosphere for this very established plant to be reintegrated into society in general. So obviously it's legal in California and a bunch of states. And I think traditionally, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, California seems a lot more open-minded to anything really than other parts of the country. So do you think you're going to have a bigger challenge moving into some of the other states? Does it not really matter? Is there a big enough market in some of those states? Or is it really kind of state uh, to state dependence? Well, um, in, in terms of your, the, your Canadian audience listening to this, the one important thing to always remember is the United States is not a country. We're a republic. Our states are individual states. California okay. was an individual country at times. Right. So was Texas right. and many, many states in our union. We, we formed a union and that's in the, you know, in our constitution. And we're, so we're separate countries, really. Our, our laws differ as much to Nevada as Nevada does to Arizona, as Arizona does to Washington state, as it does to Oregon. We don't live by the same set of rules. Um, and that's fine. And that's why we are a republic. We're not one monoblock country. So <clears throat> I address it like this. If I was going to France, 
and going to do my thing or I was going to go to Canada with my thing, I would respect the laws of that state and, and abide by them and, you know, make my product according to their guidelines. So we're going to address each individual state that way. Okay. Um, I know some states are easy. Some states are hard. I mean, one of the states I grew up in for most of my summers of my life, Wyoming, right. uh, you know, it's a very serious felony up there, okay. you know, and it's not, not to be trifled with, but you know, right next door, you know, in Colorado, it's, it's wide open, but it's, it's a different model too. Like for instance, in Colorado, you don't have distributors. You have individual entities that do everything as in Arizona as oh, well. Okay. So it is quite different. Yeah. Interesting. It is like dealing with a new country per state. That's quite interesting actually. And makes it really challenging yeah, for it, you guys. Well, it, it does, but it's, it's also keeps it interesting, you know? Um, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. And you know, you can't wish for more. And, uh, thank God for, for our company. We're in California. It's the you know fifth biggest economy in the world, right. so we have plenty of plenty of room in this sandbox to play in. Sure, fair enough. No, th that that makes a lot of sense. So I'm kind of curious to dive a little bit deeper into. You've obviously mentioned throughout your career, you've actually brought a number of physical products in, in kind of the food and beverage space to actual market, which it's really hard to do one time, never mind a handful of times. What advice do you give to people that are looking to actually get into the food and beverage space? Um, one key piece of advice is listen to people who've gone down the road before you. Um, okay. I got great, great advice from a, a friend of mine who owns a huge grocery store chain across the U S and, and when I was in the ready to drink market, our, it's called RTD market. Um, and he said, you know, I, I got 25 RTDs on my closeout shelf right now. I got two that sell well. Uh, Do you want to be one of the 25 or one of the two? So it, it can be very difficult to launch a food and beverage product. The other thing is you got to have a lot of money. Okay. I don't care how good your product is. You have to have a lot of money to do it right. And you have to have the right people to do it with. Sure. It's, it's super stressful and it's tough lifting and it's not for everybody. It's, it's fun as, fun as anything to get a nice product on the shelf though and see it when you're out shopping sure but every time you see it you go wow that took a lot to get this there. no fair so when you say a lot of money are, are people looking at single millions of dollars tens of millions of dollars does it really depend on what they're trying to do or do you have any general advice and I, I know it's kind of hard when you don't really have a a product that we're talking about here but in general is there kind of a rule or like a minimum you should have for a, for a general grocery product, I mean, in terms of Safeway or um, Kroger's or some sure. big chain like that, you're you're looking at tens of millions of dollars. Oh, I mean, wow. there's no okay. no ifs ands or buts about. It. I mean, you can get something on the shelf for a million bucks. Sure. But then it's at that point where uh, if you get picked up and you're you're dominating shelf space uh, or you you're getting good placement. That's when, you know, you've got to have the backup reserve to fulfill the orders. Because if the second you don't fulfill orders, you're gone. Right. 
Fair enough. Okay. Very, very tough. So, are, but I, oh, keep going, key, key advice would be listen, listen to people who have been there before. Pay for an pay for consultants within your industry industrial space, and and pay attention to what they say because they've been down the road, they've been beaten up, and they've risen from the ashes. Sure. Do you recommend people actually try to get their products in stores, sell online, do both, or does it really depend on what they're selling? Well, in my space, you can't sell online. You can advertise right. um, subtly online, but you can't sell online. Um, it, within the cannabis space, you've got two avenues. That's the dispensary avenue, and, that, and then you've got delivery avenue. So those are your two primary sources, and there's not really very many others. For non-cannabis products, you can uh, do, you know, your traditional sales channels through distributors and that kind of thing. I, I, generally speaking, distributors are where you want to go, but you got to be careful. You just don't become a number in their book. Okay. And, how, and any advice for not becoming that number? Uh, that's where it just, you have to have someone um, always keeping the dialogue open, always checking the store shelves, always looking at what's coming next and all and talking to the people there and keeping them invigorated and excited about your product lines okay no that interesting i i, I think that's that's actually really good advice so i'm curious to also get your thoughts on in the food and beverage space and again it's kind of probably general advice but is there kind of a minimum amount of time you can at least expect to kind of go from idea to concept to actually having something potentially in the store like it seems to me like it's at least months maybe a year or two is that kind of a rough range or what are your thoughts no i would target two years okay okay so just to kind of give people some sort of perspective on this so it's not easy right like you're grinding for a long time no it's just getting to the goal is the hardest part i mean honestly it's just like that's that's where it's where it's Toughest. Sure. So I'm, I'm curious, once you're in retail, how do you make sure you stay in retail and potentially grow to other retailers? Because that's also got to be really big challenge. Uh, yeah, I mean, once you're in retail, w within the cannabis space, it's different. I mean, when you're in retail, you've just got to keep things fresh and, and you work with your distributor and you work with your delivery services. As far as the other side of retail, that's just, uh, that's another podcast. Okay. So, well, are you spending a ton of time advertising and marketing and promoting your product outside of the retail space to drive people into the retail space to actually go buy your product? You know, I, this weekend I've got a minivan and I've got my trade show stuff and I'm going down to the High Times Cannabis Cup in San Bernardino myself just to make sure things go well. Okay. And then we got the same thing happening in Northern California at Sonoma County Fairgrounds next weekend. So anybody in NorCal comes on out next weekend, be come, good. Come on by and say hi. Uh, and then we've got the um, Bay Area show for High Times coming up on the 22nd, 23rd of June. So trade shows, you know, it's, it's me, it's, it's my partners getting out there and, and seeing it, experiencing it and, you know, really showing our product. So it requires constant attention. Yeah. So you're not just, the point I'm trying to drive home is sure. You got in hundreds of locations across a state. 
you, it's basically like the hard work starts then, right? Like you need to keep promoting. You need to keep at these things. You need to obviously, like you just mentioned, go to these trade shows and, and keep going. Like you don't just get to sit back and, and watch your bank account grow. Like you're hustling this thing constantly. Yeah. This doesn't go on autopilot. They, the thing, I, I think the funniest kind of thing that you see within the media right now is like, Oh, cannabis is the gold rush, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And you know, you just see guys sitting back with a cigar chomping and counting their money. <laughs> you know, that doesn't happen. Sure. You got to be working. It's a business. It's a business like any other business, although it's a weird business. Sure. Well, and I, I think with the, there's still a lot of people that have that negative stigma around it and, and judge, maybe they don't even use it, but they still kind of judge other people for, for, for the, or like how they use it, or even if they just wear it. Right. And, and so I think as it becomes more and more popular and, and in a lot more things, I think that stigma starts to fade away. Do you agree with that? Or what are your thoughts around kind of the stigma around the industry right now? Hey, great question. And I'll just answer it quite distinctly. People who criticize people who use alternative methodologies for relaxation and perhaps medication are also the same people who take Xanax or yeah, okay. they drink, have drink heavily, or they use other prescription drugs that may be opioids that may be killing them without them knowing the trust that's been placed in institutions, not only in the cannabis business, not only in the drug space, but general institutions within our world has proven time and again to be founded poorly with the, you know, um, advertising and messaging. You know, remember in the 50s, cigarettes were promoted yeah. on te early television by doctors smoking a cigarette saying, hey, when I choose a cigarette, I choose Paul Mall for its easy, smooth taste, you know? <laughs> Which is wild now, <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So, you know, it's, you look back in retrospect, you're going, what were we thinking? Pregnant women shouldn't be drinking champagne, sure. you know? Yeah. It's just institutions have told us certain things are okay. Uh, I think the advent of the internet, it, it has goods and evils, right? But sure. the, the positive, the most positive thing is information is available to everyone now. Rich or poor, you've got a smartphone. If you need the answer, Google it. If you want opinions, go on your, your Apple product. If you want, you know, a, any kind of uh, background on anything, you can get it. And what this has done is create the great questioning of everything we do and everything we've been told. And, and it's, it's like Pandora's box, right? It's, there's a lot of good, but there's probably a lot of bad coming out too. But I, I think into the, into the light is where you want to be. You don't want to be in the dark. And I think that's where we are right now, going into the light. No, no, I 100% agree. And, and like I mentioned earlier, it, it's interesting to me now that it's been legal in Canada for a, about a year now, how many people are even using it recreationally and in, in other kind of products uh, that they consume where they would never touch it when it was illegal. Um, and sure, what whatever, it doesn't really matter to me, like your choice. But the, the fact that 
it seems to me now that it's legal in theory it's a lot safer um obviously and it as it makes its way into more and more products that you use every day and you you can pick which products you want it in or not in i'm curious to get your thoughts on like in three to five years is it basically going to be like alcohol where the sigma's just kind of gone uh, absolutely I think it's it, it may be longer. It may be ten years okay. in terms until it's universally accepted. But already, I mean, it's, it goes back to the whole thing with my mom's bridge partners, right? Already, you're seeing that move with people who are formerly resistant, and I'm, I'm talking about some conservative old people here. They're not, you know, uh, you know, l- you know, lefty Democrats or anything like that. These people are conservative, and they're asking me, "Is like." what does this do? Do you think it would help me? And my answer to them is it might, it might be a solution for you. Um, so if they're asking me, it means everybody's going to be asking, everybody's going to be asking about what can this do? Will it aid me? Now, some people, it has no effect on them. And some people has a great effect. I mean, the biggest problem for us, and that's why we're a low dosage product, okay. is you don't want to have the story that I hear a lot because obviously I have a child, a 17-year-old daughter, my wife and her girlfriends, they've all tried things. And so they've tried primarily like these gummy products, gummy bears, that kind of thing. Right. And, and sometimes they'll get the super dose, you know, the, the hot dose, as they call it. And that's what you don't want. That's when you have a person who's a late adopter of THC uh, cannabis to have a bad experience. So our, our point of view is don't do that. Start out low, start up very low and see where it takes you. You don't need to have that bad experience because a, a bad cannabis experience with the edibles can be very bad. And to some people, it's extremely stressful. Sure. Nope. Fair enough. Well, and I also think, too, it's kind of like anything in life that if your friend or a bunch of friends try something new and it works for them, they tell other people about it, right? And some people have similar uh, experiences with whatever it is and others have uh, different things, right? But we as human beings recommend things to others all the time, right? Especially that are working for us, right? So I, I don't yeah. see it any different than anything else in kind of history, really. No, I mean, and we're all familiar with the term, um, that guy's a mean drunk, right? Yeah, sure. Or or that that guy's a sweetie pie, you know, when he drinks, you know? It does, nothing affects anyone the same thing. Some, some people, you eat sugar, you get whacked out of your mind. You can't even think, right? Some people who have sugar go to sleep. So nothing affects people the same way every time. And so it's just, it's like anything in your life, you know, you can use a simple example. Like I like salami. Well, another guy might not like salami. Maybe it's just too fatty for him. So there's no, there's no one thing for everyone. Everybody's got to figure out where they're going. And, and to talk more about the, the alcohol correlation, there is, very, very little evidence that you see people absolutely ruining their lives through the use of cannabis. There is 
uh, ancillary information where people will uh, ruin their lives with cannabis through criminal activity, usually around money. You know, it's like sure. a robbery or something like that. But even Ronald Reagan's former head of the DEA said that through a study that he had performed as the head of the DEA under Nancy Reagan, the Just Say No campaign, they found very, very, very limited evidence that cannabis crimes were prevalent and or violent. And the majority were uh, a criminal activity what was around the monetization and the criminal aspect of cannabis. Yeah. Okay, so now, when was the last time you knew somebody who or heard of somebody smoking a joint and going to rip off a liquor store? Yeah. Well, it doesn't happen. On TMZ, on TV or anything, you can see regularly on YouTube, a drunk guy goes into a liquor store and, and robs it. it. It happens all the time. And it's just, you know, it's um, empirical evidence indicates that alcohol is good in some respects. It relaxes you, but there are a lot of downsides. And the drunk driving thing is a big one. And I, I know people drive high. I don't recommend that ever. I think that's a bad idea. And thank God we've got Uber now. No, no, fair enough. Well, and that was going to be actually something I'm curious to get your thoughts on. These low dosage things, like if you put this as an alternative to sugar in your coffee in the morning, can you drive to work on it? Or like, how does that work? Well, I would never recommend you you drive after consuming any drug, right? Sure. Or alcohol, um, sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just not a bad, not a good idea. Um, I, 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 I can't answer. I would say don't, don't take any drug or alcohol and sure, drive. No I'm just going to answer it that way. Okay. Yeah. No, exactly. that's kind of what I thought. You're, but I just wanted to make that clear to people, right? Just because they have a little bit doesn't mean that it's like fine, right? No, I don't think it's fine ever. I mean, I, I think you have to be an adult, and when you're given. You know, you're, you have your 18th birthday and you're going out into the world and you have to interact with other people on a daily basis. You have to treat them with respect. And and that includes knowing when it's OK to drive, when it's OK to, um, you know, take care of children and, and, or things that are crucial to keeping your daily life going. Sure. No, that that makes sense. Well, and I think it's a lot of cases, too, like. People put Bailey's in their coffee in the morning and, and drive to work, and you're kind of like, I don't really think that's okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you on that. So yeah, like just just to give people some sort of context, right? But we're kind of coming right. to the end of the show. So how about we close with mentioning where people can get more information about you guys and and where where they can actually pick you guys up and and find you guys in stores? Sure. Um, you can find us at www.shoogies.com. That's S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S.com. Uh, you can also look at our parent website, which is www.sensedistribution.com. We're available throughout the Apex um, network and in California, which is hundreds of dispensaries in Northern, Cali Northern California and Southern California. So look for us um, at your local dispensary in your in your area. That's all I can say. 
Perfect. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you, and have a good rest of your day, man. Kevin, thanks very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com. And keep building the future.